Good morning. Can everybody hear me okay? Uh, I want to say good morning to you folks who are here as well as to uh, our friends and family on Zoom. I'm going to try and make a little room for myself here and get set up. You know, I'm going to just grab my water. Thanks, hon. Well, um, it's great to see everybody, and, um, you know, the title of my message is, Are You Tired? And, you know, I feel like after the worship time we've had together, I'm like, I'm not feeling so tired. I'm feeling kind of rested. I'm feeling that, that God is with us. Um, but, you know, as I was reflecting uh, on today's message, I was thinking about the year that we've had uh, so far. And, you know, I was thinking about 2019, and I was saying to myself, you know, that was a pretty tough year. Everybody's busy. Technology continues to grow. Um, People are looking to get more done. They want things faster. Uh, They want to get ahead. And it creates a level of stress and a level of burden that we take with us. And it seems to just kind of accumulate on us. And then we started 2020. I mean, this is... You know, this is a year with, uh, with just the strangest types of things that are adding to the burdens that we have. Um, I'm thinking uncertainty, uh, the changes in our schedules, uh, the extremely serious health concerns that we've had. And for some, the lack of, of work has been a burden, while for others, uh, the changes that the virus has made to their jobs has made them more complicated uh, than they could have ever imagined. And, you know, on the home front, people have had to deal with shortages, economic uncertainty. You know, people are stressed. You can see it. Uh, They're burdened and they're burnt out. And, you know, it's into this strange context that we hear Jesus calling to us. And he's saying, are you tired? Are you tired? So this morning we're going to be looking at Matthew 11, Matthew chapter 11 and specifically verses 28 through 30. I'll give you a moment to, uh, to turn in your Bibles to that. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. So we all want rest, and with Jesus, life starts with rest, and then he teaches you how to live with rest. So let's go ahead and read the verse here. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All of you, take up my yoke and learn from me, because I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So as we focus on that passage of Scripture, I think it very nicely breaks itself into three components, three basic areas. And so number one is the offer. What is it that Jesus is offering? Number two, what's the requirement? What is it that we have to do? And then number three, what is the result? So let's go ahead and take these in order. In verse 28, he says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
So as I think about that statement he makes, I think implicit within it is his, his statement to us that you have to leave where you are. You can't stay where you are and come to him. You have to leave. And a lot of times, it's not until we realize that we're in the wrong line, so to speak. And, you know, as I was thinking about examples of this, where we're in a line and we're looking to get something or have a service done, and we realize we're in the wrong line, and that is never going to happen until we get out of that line and get in the right line. So, you know, maybe you're at the grocery store and you've got your, you know, 67 bazillion things in your cart and you're going through the line and you get a little closer and you're waiting and you realize you're in the 14 item or less line and you say to yourself, Jesus, you know, if I don't get killed by everybody around me because I'm slowing things down, I need to get out of this line and get into the correct line. Now, when I go shopping, that may happen, but when Michelle is with me, she's, she's careful to get me in the right line. But maybe you've gone to the Registry of Motor Vehicles and you're looking to get your registration renewed and you wind up in the license renewal line. You're standing in the line for new license plates. You're not going to get what you need if you stay in the wrong line. Um, you know, uh, we have a BJ's and a Costco card and uh, I have yet to actually use the gas station at BJ's and Costco, but a lot of people love that. You get a great buy, but the lines are long. Same kind of deal. You're going through the line, and you say to yourself as you get a little closer, let's see, my filler cap is on the passenger side, but the pump is coming up, and it's on the left-hand side, and you panic, and you're, you know you're going to need to get out of that line to be able to get what you need. And so as we think about this, it's the same way with peace and rest. We don't find it where we normally look for it. We have to get out of that line. And so when we reflect on Jesus and what he's saying here, it's as though he's saying to us, don't just stand there, come to me. Come with your body, soul, and spirit. And then we think, but Jesus, you know, how do I do that? He says, come to me in the pages of prayer. Let me draw near to the Holy Spirit. Let me exhort, encourage, teach you through relationships with other believers that I inhabit. And if you do, I will give rest to your body, your soul, and your spirit. So that's the offer. And let's talk about now number two, what's the requirement? What is it that we're going to need to do in order to experience this rest that Jesus talks about? So let's go back to the text and let's look at verse 29. Verse 29 says, All of you... Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart. So right there in verse 29, he's giving us like three, three different pieces of this. So let's just, just go ahead and take them in order. He says, take up my yoke. Well, what is a yoke? And in, uh, in the Bible times, that typically was something, it was a structure that was placed between a couple of oxen and it was used to, to essentially cause there to be much greater strength so that the load could be pulled, the field could be plowed, the wheat could be threshed. And so if we just think about it in different terms, the way I would ca characterize it, I would say it's a structure that two sources of power to enable the movement of a large that a single source could not. So by definition, there's, there's no such thing as a single-person yoke. Right? But, 
But how often do we try and deal with the challenges of life alone, disconnected from God? There's no such thing as a single-person yoke. It has to be joined to something. So you and I, what needs to happen is we need to be joined to Jesus. So what does that mean? Well, I think that is the quintessential point of Christianity. It's the salvation message. It's becoming born again. It's allowing him to breathe life into your spirit and to forgive of all of your sins, past, present, and future. That is where the journey of rest begins. You're united with Jesus Christ. He has breathed his life into your spirit. And so that is where, when I say, the journey starts with rest and continues. It starts by a relationship with Jesus Christ. Then he goes on in the passage, in, in the same verse, and says, learn from me. So he's, he's saying, as you encounter life, let me teach you. Let me teach you through the word, through my Holy Spirit, and by the example of other believers. He's saying, interact with me as you go about your day with these potentially stressful activities. Let me lead you into, dis- into a discovery of your purpose and how to fulfill it. So I was thinking, what, what could be kind of like one example of how we learn from Jesus? And, and first off, let me just say that this is, this is our life's journey, right? Uh, learning from Jesus. You know, the place we typically start is with the Gospels. That's where you see Jesus described what it was he taught. And so I just picked one, uh, one short verse uh, in Matthew also, it's uh, Matthew chapter 6. And he's dealing with a group of individuals who have been conquered by the Romans. Their entire society had been upended. All of their forms of government have been supplanted by an occupying nation. And so there was so much uncertainty, there was so much stress, so much fear, so much dread, so much of a sense of lacking what they needed to survive. So in chapter 25, Here's what Jesus says. It's an example of Jesus teaching the people around him. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is, not, is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, reap, or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they. So Jesus is teaching here. This is an example of him teaching. And what is it he's teaching? He's trying to impart to these people that God loves you and will provide for you. And he looks at them and he wants them to believe this and trust this. And he, he's, he's calling the same thing of us, to read his words, to believe what he has to say, to trust him. So, you know, we have a traditional teaching relationship with Jesus, right, where he says important things, foundational items about ourselves and about our new lives with him that we need to obey and follow and trust and believe. But what's unique about Jesus is when you find yourself yoked to him to be, to be filled with his presence, to be indwelt by the Holy Spirit, which takes place at the time of salvation, he's also drawing you into an apprenticeship relationship where he is with you. So it's fascinating to me that what Jesus does is in Scripture, he tells you what to do, and then he shows you 
what he did and how he performed it. And now what happens is he's in you and he does it with you. So all of these challenges are no longer items that you're picking up on your own, but you have the second person of the Trinity living in you, teaching you, drawing you into this apprentice relationship. You know, when I think of an apprentice relationship, there's like a couple of kind in my mind. You have one that's, you know, you've got one, let's, let's call him a blacksmith, right? And he, he has a young son who he's going to train to, to take over for him. And it's one thing to learn about the materials that you're going to be working with, learning about fire, understanding how the bellows work, but you really can't learn it until you start to do it. And so, you know, I get this picture of the blacksmith taking his young son, bringing him over to the anvil, standing him in front of him, and the blacksmith picks up the tongs and reaches in and grabs the hot metal that he's working with. With the other hand, he grabs the hammer. And then he says to his son, go ahead and place your hands on my forearm as I beat and shape the metal into something useful. And it's as though Jesus, he comes into us, whether we're confronted with um, a situation at work where we're being challenged or we're being blamed for something. And he says, let me show you how love works. Let me show you how my way allows you to conquer your situation. So you're no longer running from your situation thinking that the only important thing is self-preservation. But he informs you of your new purpose and how he's equipped you to change the situation for his purposes. The other way that apprenticeship happens is in community. So we're all together as a church family, both online and, and here together. And when we do life together, we get the opportunity to gain the wisdom and insights of our brothers and sisters. It's, you know, it's like, um, I don't knit or crochet. I do sew a little bit. But, you know, what I understand is sometimes with people who love to crochet and knit, they get together and they're chatting, and you have all different levels of knowledge. Some people have been doing it for a long time, some a short period of time. And the newbies might say, well, geez, how many loops am I supposed to count before I stab it with the needle and, you know, come around the end? And, you know, there's someone there who's, who's been doing it longer than they have, and they can come alongside them and say, let me, let me show you. It's, all is not lost. You didn't ruin the project. Here's how we're going to get out of this situation and get you back on track. And it's the same thing with the family of God. So some things happen directly with Jesus, him training you. Other things happen in community. And it's so great to be a part of the family of God where this stuff can actually happen. So we talked about the offer. We've talked about the requirement. But let's now transition and talk about number three, the result. Oh, I, I, actually, let me go back to the requirement. There was something else in that passage that I wanted to to camp on for a bit. And in that same passage, it's verse 28, he closes by saying, I am gentle and humble. It's kind of a weird saying to me because, you know, here you've got this guy who knows everything, can do everything. And then he says, you can learn from me because I am gentle and humble. So as I reflected on that, it came to me that he at least with regards to me, and I think most of you can relate, he wants us to know that he will take the greatest care around the fragile pieces of our lives. And it means he's never condescending in bringing the truth to our situation. 
How unusual is that? You know, we've all encountered experts in our lives who, whether it's work-related or uh, some other skill that you're pursuing, and the people who are, who are doing that um, are just creating a situation where you just feel condescended to. Well, Jesus says, I am gentle and humble. So that's an important aspect of the way he teaches. And as a result, you will learn from Jesus because of that very principle that he is gentle and humble. He does not, uh, he does not browbeat. Jesus enlightens, strengthens, and lovingly guides Jesus does not bring consequences. Life takes care of that. We're living in consequences. That's why we're going to Jesus. So number three, the result. This is verse 29. And you will find rest for yourselves, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Finding rest for yourself. I was thinking about this also. What does that look like? Well, the first thing I noticed is Jesus is saying, it's for you. The rest is for you. And how many times in life are we working and laboring, whether it's at the office or in the home or even in church work, and it feels as though you're laboring for the rest of others so that others can rest? You know, you see that a lot with moms. They're always working hard. Other people rest. But what Jesus is saying, he says, if you do it my way, you'll find rest for yourself. You'll be able to care for yourself. I'm going to care for you. You're going to find the rest that you need. And one of the things about rest that that I'm learning is that I'm now bringing the problems of my life to Jesus first. I'm not waiting I encounter something at, at, at the office or at home, I go to him first. And what I'm learning is this, this skill that he's trying to teach us, which brings rest, is understanding what you're meant to carry versus what you're not meant to carry. You see, there are things that only the Lord can carry for us. You know, you, you go back to this image of the yoke. There are certain things that only Jesus can lift in life. And there are things that we're meant to lift. So as you, as you kind of grow in this ability to find his peace, you no longer lift what he needs to lift, but you no longer ignore the things that you need to be lift, lifting. And this brings rest. So maybe there's something that you're not meant to lift. Maybe you're dealing with something in your life that you're not meant to lift. Maybe you've experienced a broken relationship And as a result, you've got a broken heart, and you're trying to find anything that will ease your pain. So Jesus comes along in this new paradigm where he's living in you, where he's yoked to you, and he says, let me show you Psalm 147.3. And he says in Psalm 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted, and he binds up their wounds. And so you can begin to say to yourself, I don't need to figure out how I'm going to get healed. I'm going to let the master come in and heal my broken heart. So that would be an example of leaving something to him. And on the other hand, maybe there's something you do need to be lifting. 
Maybe it's forgiveness. You know, Jesus spoke an awful lot about forgiveness. And also in Matthew, in Matthew 18, Peter comes and he says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. So I was thinking about that response, and I'm like, you know, Jesus, that counts, sounds kind of harsh. You know, here's Peter trying to do the right thing. Maybe he's, you know, a little puffed up. You know, I'm going to say seven times. And, but Jesus comes back hard and says, no, 77 times. And what we begin to realize is that specifically with forgiveness, you're never going to find rest until you deal with forgiveness, forgiving others in your life. And there may be some very deep pains, but unforgiveness, and many of you have heard this phrase, unforgiveness is, is like you drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It doesn't work. If you want rest, part of that is knowing what it is that you need to do, what it is you need to lift, and one of those is forgiveness. Jesus also says, my yoke is easy. And let's talk about that again. So we describe this as a structure that joins two sources of power to be able to get something done. Well, with Jesus, I think of it as a partnership. It's very easy. It's heavily one-sided, all towards him. The responsibilities are skewed in his direction. But it's a partnership that is the most reliable. It's much easier than any partnership you may have ever had, and it's vastly more successful. You know, the partnerships that we have on our own when we go out to seek our own rest and joy and peace, um, those partnerships are also unequal, but they're unequal in the opposite direction. They demand unrealistic performance. They promise lasting reward but never deliver. They may promise companionship and love, but they'll abandon you. And in terms of examples, you know, I think about some people who enter into a business venture and they partner with someone else and instead of sharing profits, their partner steals from them. Or you may have someone who invested a large chunk of their life seeking a fulfilling career, but despite giving it their all, the business goes bankrupt. Others have success but it costs them their family and friends. Whatever it is, the pursuit of money, the fitness craze, self-medication, substance abuse, bad relationships, they all looked so promising as something that you could partner with to find rest, protection, meaning, but they all failed you when you needed them most. The partnership with Jesus is an easy partnership, and he always holds up his end of the bargain. You know, he also says in that same verse, my burden is light. It's as though he's saying to us, you're no longer abandoned to endure the soul-crushing weight of life or to scale insurmountable tasks any longer. With Jesus, and this is really unique to him, the amount of load that he allows you to carry, it's been perfectly scaled and proportioned for you. You know, it's not just for your present abilities, 
but it's heavy enough to cause you to grow stronger without being overwhelmed. And I think that's something that as Christians we realize sometimes after we through an extremely challenging time, that it was difficult and that it did cause me to grow, but he didn't abandon me and I wasn't overwhelmed. So with Jesus as your trainer, your coach, your encourager, your, your provider, your problems are now his to address with you. You no longer attempt to live a life that is just simply this series of unfortunate events commingled with the occasional success. Now you get to live with a purpose, a purpose both to discover and to fulfill, a purpose to grow into. So as we kind of come to the end here of these, of these three components of what it is to find rest in Jesus, here's what I think of as the takeaway. There's basically three pieces to this. Listen, respond, and rest. So when we listen, he's calling us. Hear him during the day. Pause long enough during the challenges that confront you to recognize that Jesus is there waiting to be tagged in. Let the big man in so he can strut and do his stuff. Respond. He has a plan. He has a plan for us. We need to join him and discover and respond to his teaching about who you are, your new nature, and your new abilities. That brings hope. That brings genuine hope. And then lastly, rest. Jesus is the new majority partner. Just find rest in releasing to him the areas of life that you can't fix. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to journey with you. You know, for some of us, maybe traditional religion has failed. But we know that you never fail. You are the strongest, most competent, wise, faithful, and loving person there is, period. You have never hurt anyone, never left anyone behind. You've never withheld the truth from anyone. And always, always do more than your share. Every aspect of your nature, the way you conduct yourself, the way you relate to others, is completely gracious, gentle, and kind. You are the perfect balance of grace and truth. And you have invited us to rest, to have purpose, to live a fulfilled and successful life. Jesus, we pray that uh, you would cause the scales to fall from our eyes so that we can see you. Unstop our ears so we can hear you. Free our minds and our will that we may partner with you and fulfill our destiny. And we ask this in your matchless name. Amen.